What is? What is? What is? What is biblical counseling? Biblical counseling will grow you from brokenness to wholeness. The light bulbs are going off in my head. <laughs> this is like deep. I just haven't thought of it that way. It's mind blowing to me. I don't know if I've ever had anybody put it that plainly to me before. All this time I've been going to church, this never resonated with me. This is Transformed. And now your host, Assistant Professor of Biblical Counseling at the Masters University and Certified Biblical Counselor, Dr. Greg Gifford. Welcome back to Transformed. I'm your host, Dr. Greg Gifford, and today we're going to be talking about habits and continuing the conversation of their effects in our lives. If you were here last episode, we discussed what is a habit, how do we define habits, and the purposes of habits, and we began the effects of habits. So I just want to briefly recap those, and then we'll dig into the priorities of habits and how we practice our habits later on in our episode today. But habits are the things that we do regularly, almost as if we were a robot and our second nature was to simply do that habit. And when we talk about habits in that way, and that's usually the way we talk of it in 2022, we're talking about your frequent practices, what you do so regularly that it almost feels like a compulsion to do it. Whenever you wake up, the first thing that you do after you wake up, that's a habit that you've learned. Whenever you get into your car and you steer your car and you use a turn signal and a shifter, that's a habit that you have learned. Then we also identified that habits are spoken of as being character traits or virtues. So it's, it's that you do something so much that it becomes a part of you. It helps identify who you are and describe you. And the Puritans even believed that God would plant that desire to practice something through a supernatural habit and in so doing would form your character based off of that spark of change that God gave to you. So all of, all of the literature basically that you read today about habit formation is going to be about productivity and efficiency. And in my book, Heart and Habits, I do my best to say that efficiency and productivity are good, but they're not great. <laughs> yes, not great at all. Actually, they're, they're good, but they're almost like third-rate good. As a Christian, our lives are not first and foremost about efficiency and productivity. In fact, there are things that you do that are not very efficient. And I, I talk about it in the book, I think one of the things that we as Christians have to practice is honoring other people and serving them by listening to them and doing our best to understand what they're saying, be able to conceptualize it, reword it, uh, interact with it. That's listening. So there are times when a person comes up to you and you got a mission to accomplish and you're on task and you got somewhere you need to be, and yet they have something important to share with you and you have to pause and listen to them. If efficiency and productivity were the end-all be-all, we would just say like, hey, shush, I got stuff to do. But that's not what God's called us to do. God's called us to prioritize others, to actually put their interests before our own. So we press pause on our productivity and we say, I need to listen right now. And I may not get anything done, quote unquote, but I will do what the Lord calls me to do. So this is the goal, number one, that we would glorify the Lord and number two, that we would do good to others. If you're not familiar with that from last episode, I'd encourage you to go back and to touch base there to revisit some of the purposes and then see that for number three, I did say efficiency and productivity or getting stuff done is part of the goal of your habits, but it's, it's not the first goal. 
So I started the conversation on effects. And if you recall, Philippians 2 is one of the best places to help frame the way that God uses our frequent practices. And I, I use Philippians 2, 12 through 13, because that's what the Puritans used. The Puritans appeal to Philippians 2, 12 through 13 as an example of how God works in our hearts to change us as we are obedient. And that obedience isn't something that we have you know, kind of like grabbed ourselves by the bootstraps and muscled our way to the top. And we were stronger than others and we were more capable and we got up at 4 a.m. and did our devotions and rah, here we are. That's why God changed us. It's that God gave us the ability to obey. And when we did obey, God used our obedience to change our desires. That's verse 12 and 13 of Philippians 2. So how does God change your desires? It's not through magic. Magic. There's not some sweet red pill that Morpheus can offer us and we take it and all of a sudden our desires have changed. Our desires are reoriented through frequent obedience and God sanctifies our desires through frequent obedience. So we want to be cautious about in some way saying that my desire is going to change because God has zapped it, healed it, expedited it, excavated it, like whatever other word I can come up with to identify the way God might change my desires. Really, desire change comes through frequent obedience. That's the first effect. The second effect of our habits is going to be that our character is formed through our habits. When you're open and when you're honest about who you are as a person and what describes you, we have to ask what type of person are we? When you ask that question, I think it's helpful to use an analogy of how we kind of come to this self-awareness of who we are. It's not through some weird meditation process. It's not through us spending 40 days alone on a mountain to figure out who we are. But consider this. Have you ever seen a picture of yourself and you think like, oh man, I've gained a little bit of weight. How did that happen? Like, I, that doesn't look like me five years ago. You look at yourself and you're like, oh, that was uh, the day I needed a haircut. My hair was terrible that day. You, you weren't necessarily aware of that until you paused and you considered a portrait of who you are. When you're considering your character, it's often like that to where there are things that have just slowly started to take place in your life. And it's not until you pause to evaluate what do you look like that you realize the type of character that you have formed. So let me give you an example of this. Sometimes we can develop character traits that we know are not necessarily exciting, but we've developed them through practice. And uh, a character trait that I could develop would just be this kind of like terseness, rudeness, abruptness. If I'm not careful and I just let go of the, the wheel of my life, I don't deviate towards greater kindness and hospitality. I can deviate towards being rude or overly strong and unkind in those ways. So if, I, if I'm not careful, I can become a very rude person. So what that means is if, if I start to practice rude things, then before long, I am a rude person. The way that habits shape your character is that your character is the result of what you frequently practice. And when you pause and evaluate and you're like, you know what, 
I think I've just become an unkind person, or I think I've just become very selfish, and I don't want to use my time to care for anyone else, or I think I'm too jokey-jokey all the time and maybe a bit trivial, and I need to be willing to talk about things that are more significant and heavier in life. Whatever that portrait of yourself is that you're acknowledging and seeing, the next step is going to be that you're able to say, well, how did I get there? How did my character get to that point? It came through my frequent practices. The effects of your habits are that they're forming you into a type of person. And last episode, I said they, they can even deform you away from being a type of person. But your character is formed through your frequent practices. So if there are deficiencies and deformities in your character, you must be willing to say, well, it's not like I just woke up that way on Friday morning. Rather, it's that you were that and you've been practicing that. And now that character trait of being rude is who you are. You're a rude person. In the book, I give an analogy of a an individual who volunteers at a homeless shelter. So consider this for a second. A, a person who volunteers at a homeless shelter, it takes sacrifice. You, know, you have to drive there. You have to wake up. You're using your gas. Uh, so it may not cost you uh, in terms of you're paying to enter the building, but it costs you time. It costs you money to go. It costs you energy and resources to be able to sweep floors, serve food, wash dishes. And that that frequent practice of going to serve at a homeless shelter is a habit. You go enough and what takes place is serving at a homeless shelter. It actually begins to shape the type of person that you are. And we know that that's taking place in you when you're starting to think about others and be more considerate of others. So you're at the local hardware store and you realize that they have brooms on sale. And you say, oh, you know what? I know the shelter actually needs a couple of extra brooms. So let me grab a couple and I'll bring them next time I'm volunteering there. How did that phenomenon happen? Well, it wasn't because you woke up on Friday morning and said, oh, I'm going to be more considerate today. La-dee-da. Uh, no, it was because you had frequently practiced going to serve at the homeless shelter so that now you are a more mindful and considerate person of other people. That's what kindness is about. How did you become a kind person as a character trait? Well, through your frequent practice of going and serving at the homeless shelter. So your character is shaped by what you regularly do. Some of you hear that and you're like, Dr. Gifford, no, what have I done? And I think you got to be candid and, and say, well, what have you done? Because if you're a rude person, individuals don't want to be around you your children don't want to talk to you on the phone, then you need to ask, what are the things that you regularly do? Sure, we could turn the finger around and say, hey, this is everyone else's fault in my life and no one understands me. We could say that, but the reality is, if I'm experiencing that in all the different relationships of my life, at work, at home, at school, at church, then it's most likely my character that needs to grow and my character that is deformed. So if that's you and you see character issues in your own life, then you need to ask yourself, well, what are the things that you're frequently practicing to contribute to that? Now, here's the next aspect of this, and this should ideally bring great excitement and joy to you. If you're listening to this and you're under 30, it's not as hard for you because you're not as set in your ways. You haven't practiced these things for as long. But if you're over 30, the reality is you've had a significant part of your adult life where you've practiced certain things and started to become a certain type of individual. 
But here's the exciting news. When you practice your habits so regularly for the glory of the Lord and the good of people, there is a certain point where you don't need someone to remind you. You don't need a sticky note on your dash in your car. That's just who you are, and that's just what you do. You are simply a kind person. And I don't have to write on a sticky note and put it in my car and say, be kind today. (laughs) Don't scream at people in the car. (laughs) That's not the way that it works because after I've practiced kindness long enough, you could squeeze me in any context and then find out that what comes out is going to be kindness. You can honor the Lord without much intentionality because he has changed you so much that your character is really by default honoring to him. That's pretty amazing. Think about it for a second. You could be kind without much of intention to be kind. That's just who you are. You could be wise, gentle, patient, loving. You could be all of those things without much intention because God has changed you so much that that's just who you are. Now you've experienced this inevitably. I want you to imagine that really sweet elderly lady in your life. When I think of a really sweet elderly lady, there are typically ladies in my church where it's like they're 80, 85, and just sweet, gracious. They'll pray for you. They're so grateful for their great-grandchildren. They're reminding me of scripture, and I'm just like, this is amazing. Like, how did this happen? Well, she's not saying, hey, when you talk to Dr. Greg at church today, make sure you encourage him with the scripture. She's just being herself because her character is godly. She exudes godliness and then challenges me in the word. She's just honestly a thankful person. So when we talk about the things going on in her life, she's thankful for her great-grandchildren. How did that happen? It happened through years of practice, so much so that she's at the point where it doesn't take much intention for her to simply be kind and gracious and thankful. So here's the point. Your habits form character in you, and your character starts to be so baked into what you do that it's just who you are. It's just how you respond. So you don't have to fight as hard. You're not having to practice as hard because God has now set you apart to himself so much so that you are like him without much intention. We're going to take a short commercial break, and when we come back, we will finish with the third effect and then talk about the priority of your habits. We'll be right back. Quick question, how much do you actually know about the Masters University and everything they have to offer? Because they have quite a bit that you may not even know about. They offer accredited undergrad, master's, and doctoral degrees in biblical counseling, plus they have over 150 additional programs. You can find out more about their in-person or online programs by spending some time at masters.edu. You can also drop into the campus for a visit. I know they'd love to spend the day with you introducing you to the Masters University. Hello, this is Dr. Dale Johnson. If you struggle with an issue, any emotional issue, we would like to help you. There are thousands of certified biblical counselors at biblicalcounseling.com. Please visit our site and find a biblical counselor who will walk alongside you to help you overcome your struggles. We would be honored. You know, sometimes we find ourselves struggling with some of the very same issues that Dr. Gifford is addressing here on the Transform Podcast. And if you have a specific question you would like him to address, you can email him at greg at transformed.org. Here's the deal. Though you can ask him any question you'd like to ask... 
be pithy and also include your name, though you can request that he call you anonymous if he uses your question on the show. Send your questions now to Dr. Gifford at greg at transformed.org. Welcome back to Transform. The Bible would tell us that OCD is not a disorder. It is the fruit of wrong believing and wrong theology. And now your host, Dr. Greg Gifford. All right, welcome back. We're going to finish with the third effect of habits. And for those of you that are looking to get your work on, you're going to love this. I do think that a biblical goal in the utilization of habits is to be efficient. It is to be productive. It is to get stuff done. In the book, I talk a lot about how we want to be good stewards. Uh, We want to maximize the time that the Lord has given us. We want to efficiently accomplish what he's done in our life. And we want to efficiently guard the things that he's entrusted to us. So imagine this tiny habit. And some of you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Think of the habit of where you put your car keys. (laughs) Oh, man. Now, uh, I know that there have been some sharp discussions in my household when we can't find our car keys and we have got to leave the house. It ain't time to play. Uh, The habit of placing your car keys in the same location so that you can find them every time you need to, to access them. It seems like a really insignificant thing in the grand scheme of eternity. But now think, okay, it's date night time for my wife and I. I can't find my keys. The babysitter's at the house. The kids are all wondering, are we leaving? Are we not? Or am I out? My wife's waiting at the car. And then now I can't find my keys to go start the car so we can go on our date. All of a sudden, that small habit of placing my keys in the same location has great ramifications. I'm probably annoying my wife a little bit in the process. My kids are like, uh, you guys stay in? The, we have a, a baby at home right now, too. He's like, uh, what's the word? Like, where's mom at? Is, he, is she coming back in? I'm annoying everybody because I don't have a habit of placing my keys in the same location so I can find them next time I need them. That is the idea of efficiency and productivity. Sure, it seems like a benign issue, but you compound that enough with poor habits, and I actually become a very disheveled person who's not serving others, who's perhaps annoying them by my disorganization. One of the things that you do need to consider is that some of us are uh, really disorganized. Uh, We are really terrible at our time. We have uh, like this compulsion to be spontaneous, which means that we miss work, we miss deadlines, we miss requirements that we should have been at. And that spontaneity seems fun in the moment, but poor time management isn't fun over the long haul. Some of us really struggle with being disciplined in a budget. And that's not always an exciting thing to do. Like when I save for retirement, I don't get a hit of dopamine at all. It's like, man, I could have fun with that money, but instead I'm saving for retirement. Boo. So the reality is that we can totally blow a budget every month, and that habit is going to have significant ramifications in my life. 
So I do want to, in some way, realize that what I'm doing frequently, it does affect productivity and it does affect efficiency. And I need to be mindful of those. If I'm blowing my budget every month, that's not a long-term sustainable thing. It's not going to allow me to be a good steward of what God's entrusted to me. So in this way, after I've identified the other purposes and the effects, I do need to see that, hey, sometimes I need to work on my habits for the sake of advancing myself and my career, being a better student, not annoying everyone with my poor habits because I'm always late to meetings. I'm always late to coffee. I'm not annoying people because I, I lose my keys every 30 seconds and, and need like this panic 15 minutes to find them. In those ways, we want to see that the effects of habits and getting stuff done is an appropriate effect, yet it's third in order, or, or that, that reality is it's not the only effect. So I, I can't just say, hey, how can I be more efficient with my life? It's There's a total package. There's more than efficiency that a ha- the habits are doing in our life. So when you're thinking about habits, hear, hear this in summary for the effects. They shape your desires. They form your character and they help you get stuff done. So don't just focus on efficiency and productivity because remember, God is not going to share his glory with your desire to worship efficiency and productivity. And efficiency is not Lord. Christ is Lord. So I'm going to balance this by focusing on the priorities God has given to me in my habit development, which leads to my next point. And this is going to be kind of like the final category that I'll give you guys. If you're interested in learning more about habits, I'd encourage you to check out the book, Heart and Habits, where I've done some lectures online. You can simply Google some of those and find those additional lectures. This is going to be the priority of our habits. Okay. Let me tell you what's wrong with habit development, because if you were to pick up a James Clear Atomic Habits, start to read it and say, you know what? I'm going to work harder this year. I'm going to squeeze in an additional three hours of work on Sunday morning. Jackpot. My boss is going to think, wow, how do you get all of this done in the week? You are ahead of every project that I've given to you. And I'm thinking in the back of my mind, it's like, yeah, it's because I have a habit now of working on Sunday mornings. It's awesome. My job is doing great. I'm getting promoted. My boss loves it. Uh, I'm outshining my peers. Take that. But here's the problem that that priority is actually wrong because I know on Sunday morning, God has called me to be gathering together with a local church and Christians for centuries now have gathered on Sundays to commemorate the resurrection of Jesus Christ and to meet together. And if I'm now going to go to work on Sunday morning by my choice, instead of going to church, then the reality is I'm developing a habit that is, it's misprioritized. In our life, we have priorities of habits. It's going to start with God. It's going to move all the way out to your friendships, your social relationships. When you are developing habits, it would not be appropriate for you to just become really good at work and then to sabotage your family relationships. It also wouldn't be appropriate for you to become really good at being a mom or a dad or a brother or sister or son or daughter and yet not be in a local church at all. You see, God, through his word, has told us what priorities are out there. And I can actually blow my life up by developing really good work habits and really poor family habits. I could work 12 hours a day and crush it and make some buku bank. But at the end of the day, I'm sabotaging my family 
And that's not what honors the Lord, and it's not even a long-term sustainable model. I have this balance in our life that all of us have to know that God is our priority, and the habits we're developing are first and foremost going to start with our relationship with the Lord. I call that the spiritual sphere of your life. That's where we're talking about your devotions, church, giving, prayer, meditation on truth and memorization of truth, engagement in the scripture, repentance. Those things are going to be your spiritual sphere of habits where you're focusing on the habits that first and foremost affect the Lord. So I'm not going to work on my job and the habits at my job in this upcoming year. I'm not going to do that unless I have first and foremost addressed the spiritual habits in my life. And if I have zero quiet time and engagement in God's word, or I'm not attending a local church, then there ain't no way that I am going to now focus on how I can improve my work habits because I know my relationship with God is foundational. Listener, as you hear this, one of the things I do not want to encourage with you or anyone else is that you would be efficient at your job, but deficient in your involvement in a local church. I actually think that will hurt you more in the end. And you might make more money. You might save more for retirement and take sweeter vacations. But I can assure you, if you do not spend time at church with God's people, then your soul will shrivel before too long. And there is no $100 bill that can make up for a soul that is falling in love with the world. So we have priorities that we follow. The priorities of your habits are starting with God. They're moving to the outer spheres of our family, all the way up to our social relationships. So when you're developing habits, as you're thinking through these episodes, don't just start with the things that are in some way interesting or maybe the most pressing or that, that, that are kind of like the squeaky wheels of your life. Don't just start with those. Step back and be able to assess what are the broader issues in my life? And sometimes it's hard for us to see that. So I encourage you even think about meeting with a biblical counselor, someone like myself that can help you identify what are those things that I need to work through or what are some broader things that I haven't thought about. Ways that you can find biblical counselors are by going to biblicalcounseling.com and using that feature that says find a counselor. You'll be able to search that website for certified biblical counselors in your area. And if there are none in your area, then you'll be able to identify others that are at least close or are able to meet with you via Zoom or some other teleconference technology. So find a biblical counselor. There's even such thing as Christian coaches. And I don't mean like a sports coach. I mean like a a life coach where they're going to take what you tell them and they're going to help you prioritize and develop a plan according to God's word. If you're familiar with Reagan Rose and Redeeming Productivity, he has kind of this network of resources like that where he's going to help you identify those. You'll even see that this was a year or so ago I was on as an interview for this exact topic of habits. So find someone like that that can speak into your life and help you develop what should be a priority. But here's the last thought that I'll give you regarding habits. Many of us get overwhelmed with grandiose visions of what we would like to do and what we would like to accomplish. But most of us don't change like that, where we say, I would like to be a kind person and go. It's like, oh man, good luck. Instead of making this grandiose goal of becoming more kind, why don't we start with a molecular goal of being kind in the way that I speak to people with my tone of voice? Now, that's much more measurable and more concrete. 
So instead of this grandiose goal of just being more kind, I'm now going to focus on my speech and kindness and my words. Booyah. That is a way for you to implement what we're talking about. The practice of habit development is not that you would reform your whole life at once. It's that you would be faithful in one step at a time. So if you're sensing there are things that need to change, or perhaps you have others in your life that are telling you you need to change certain things, then I would encourage you start with those small goals, the singular molecular goals, and change that. And those small contributions will lead to the broader change. Remember, the frequent practices change the character in the end. The worst case would be that you walk away from this knowing you need to do something different. The Lord's convicting you about areas you need to change and you don't do anything. That's sad. In fact, that's not only sad, but it's dangerous because you do that long enough and you become resistant to God's word. And what I would say the Bible calls being stiff-necked. That's where you're hardened to conviction and resistant to the change that needs to take place. So that's it for habits. Thanks for tuning in today. My goal is that uh, we can revisit these as you have interest, and perhaps we'll talk about specific habits that are meaningful and the habits that we develop in biblical counseling uh, with our counselees. So let me do this. Let me pray for you guys, and then we'll be done. Lord, I do I honestly mean that it is it's not honoring to you. It doesn't do good to others for us to know that there are areas in our life that we need to change and we don't want to do it. It's hard or we just rather zone out and watch TV. And I pray for the listener that the nudge that they may have to continue to excel in their walk with your son, Jesus, they would act on that and they would act now for the sake of honoring you and doing good and making those changes. May none of us, regardless of our age and season of life, may none of us be at a point where we say, you know what? I am who I am. And even if it's annoying people and it's dishonoring to you, that we're just going to do what we do. Lord, protect us from that mindset, that lazy and passive mindset we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Hello, I'm Dr. Dale Johnson, Executive Director of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors. And we've partnered with Gospel Partners Media to bring you this groundbreaking new series, Transform. If you've benefited from watching this series, would you please consider supporting our ministry financially so we can continue to bring you this series and others like it. Thank you.